Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. Tim Pawlenty. He seems all-American, but if you heard his real middle name, Tim Posny Pawlenty. What a shame. Funny, but not as funny as it would have been had the president delivered that line as it had been written for him by my next guest, David Litt, the author of Thanks, Obama, My Hopey, Changey White House Years. What was his beef with it? Well, that was a joke I had written about four weeks after I started as a White House speechwriter. I was 24 years old, and I had written that joke where the punchline, instead of saying Hosni, said Bin Laden. This was 2011. I was not... Uh, in the inner circle of the joke-writing process at this point. And so when the chief speechwriters and, and John Lovett and some of the others running the process came back with that edit, when it was changed to Hosni, 
I remember being very upset. But then uh, the next day when the bin Laden raid occurred and I realized what had happened, uh, I was very glad I had not complained. <laughs> uh, I loved the book. I think that the book is terrific. It's very self-deprecating. You're very honest about what your your position was at the White House during the course of your career there. And I also learned a great number of things just about the, well, back of the house. Uh, perhaps you'd have worked at the CIA had you not been honest about smoking pot two months prior to that inquiry, right? <laughs> That's right. So I... Uh... I don't know exactly why I thought I would be the perfect person to join the CIA. I had done improv comedy, and I was a major in history, and figured, okay, I'm qualified. And I was looking for something to do my senior year. I wasn't uh, sure that I wanted to go into politics. I had been into comedy before that, had been looking for something else, applied to join the CIA. And I had a call with an interviewer, and the first question was, have you done any legal drugs in the last year? And I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to lie to the CIA so that they can see how good I am at deception. But then I thought, maybe I'm really not, because they might kill me. And so I said the truth, which was I had smoked pot two months earlier. And they said, you know, normally we like people who break the rules, but there's a new law passed, and we, we can't interview anyone who's uh, done any illegal substance of any kind in the last year, so interview over. And that was the end of my uh, brief and very not illustrious CIA career. Do you know that uh, Rob O'Neill, who killed bin Laden in his book, and the book was terrific, but the, the, the guy, the guy from SEAL Team 6, I had a similar conversation with him because in his book, God, I hope my memory is accurate on this. I feel 99.9% sure. But he says that in, in retrospect, when he was going through his vetting process, he wishes he had just lied. In the end, it didn't keep him out of becoming a seal, including the seal. But there's a discussion of yours on page 50. You say this. It used to be that any substance use whatsoever was an automatic deal breaker for federal jobs. So I'm, I'm beyond the CIA now. That's no longer the case, but plenty of unwritten rules still apply. And then you go on, David, to describe, you know, here's the dynamic. You're a young person. You've done some things in college. Here are the rules of the road in Washington, D.C., uh, it's okay, as long as it was just in college, as long as it wasn't cocaine, as long as it happened in Amsterdam, and as long as you didn't deal. Expand on that. Well, this is a part of the book where I'm writing about uh, being um, offered a White House job for the first time. And this is w what I call kind of the thriving rumor mill among young people in D.C. So I don't know the exact rules that got used. But everyone in Washington, you know, it was it was hard to find that. You're not going to staff a whole administration of people uh, with people who have never smoked pot at this point. And so everyone's kind of wondering exactly how much trouble am I going to be in here. And so, you know, and I write about um, both parts of the vetting process. So there was the drug test, but then also the intense background check. I mean, I remember my mom called me one day and said, I just got a call from the FBI. What's going on? So it's, uh, it, it was a, a very scary moment. At the same time, it was also the most exciting moment of my life. I had just gotten this White House job, and I tried to capture both of those things. Yeah, that was not the most exciting moment of your life. The most exciting moment of your life, quote, hey, want to drive back to New Haven naked? You've got to tell that story. <laughs> okay, well, I was this, – this was from, this from the very first chapter of the book. I was – uh, a self-described Obama bot at that point. And what I mean is, I was a senior in college, 
I saw Barack Obama speak uh, on television after the Iowa caucuses, and politically speaking, I had just developed a huge crush on him. I mean, I fell in love. And I also, at the same time, had a huge crush on an actual woman. And luckily, she was as excited about Barack Obama as I was. And so uh, we went on the Rhode Island primary. We went to go knock doors. I wasn't sure if it was a date or not a date, but this was as close as I was going to get. So uh, we're about to go back, and we've had this amazing political experience. And I just said, you know, I was trying to figure out what's the right thing, what's the right thing that's bold enough, the, the as I call it in the book, the Barack Obama of propositions. And so I said, all right, I want to drive back to New Haven naked. And I had done some streaking in college. I was not unfamiliar with the concept, but this was new to me. And amazingly, she was immediately just said, yeah, let's do it. And so that's, to me, the uh, the moment where I first really realized how much politics could mean to me. And I, I say this in the book, is not really the time I first saw Barack Obama speak. Uh, it's the time I was driving naked down the highway and realizing, wow, this is Barack Obama's America. Anything is possible. Did you ever tell the president that story? No, I certainly did not. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's the be- I, He'd love it. You tell it to him I, you now. Know, I, I imagine he would, he would like that story. But I will, most of the times I was with the president, I was very focused on doing my job. So I, there was not a lot of time to say, oh, hey, by the way, uh, Mr. President, I know you're counting on me to be competent at some aspect of my job. But also there was this time I <laughs> drove naked from Rhode Island to New Haven. Uh, hope. Hope, that's the definition of hope. Hey, did any truckers, <laughs> did any truckers see you in your roommate's borrowed Nissan? Uh, I have to assume that they did. Uh, there, was, there was a sort of a, a combination of fear and excitement every time we passed by a cop car because, you know, you, you never knew. Now, if, if truckers had, I will say, they weren't looking at me. Like, I was not right. the, the more attractive naked of person course. in this duo. But, uh, you know, it, it, there was a, so we were polite about it. I, I mean, I think we tried to avoid, you know, if we saw families, we tried to, pay, you know, give them a lane if we could. But uh, it, w- it was one of those things that only makes sense when you're um, 21 years old and you're, you have both a, a person and a political candidate that you're kind of obsessed with in that moment and it makes you do crazy things. You're very candid about, you're a young guy, you get into the White House, you're writing speeches, you're sort of on the come, and you're very honest about being on the the B or C of the writing team, and you describe your, your slow but steady ascent up that ladder. There comes a pivotal moment where, hey, David wrote a video for the president, and what was the video? The video was the president's Thanksgiving address, and I thought this was so illustrative of the polarization in which we live because Fox News had a beef with the way in which you wrote that videotape. Yes, they did. I I realize in retrospect, by the way, this was one of those small things I should have thought about. But in the speech, President Obama talked about the blessings we receive on Thanksgiving or being thankful for the blessings we receive, but he didn't specifically mention God. He didn't specifically mention the Almighty. And Fox News, it was amazing how quickly they jumped on this. And The Daily Show actually pointed this out later, that in, I think it was five of his eight Thanksgiving addresses, George W. Bush didn't mention God or the Almighty either. But it was, it was a small window into how quickly the partisan media can grab something and run with it. And so I remember, you know, by 
I was sort of sitting down for Thanksgiving, and everyone was excited, my family, that I'd written this video. And by the time dessert was served, there was this controversy. And it wasn't a real controversy, but it was, you know, it ate up a news cycle. It was just one more sort of piece of ammunition for people who uh, I think were, were not always fair to the president. Okay, so the the ascension is you write four jokes for the White House Correspondent Association dinner, and then you get to write the Thanksgiving address, and then Betty White turns a hundred. What role did you play? <laughs> well, to be fair, she turned ninety. I hope she oh, turns a hundred. Oh, 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 shame on me. Okay, no, no, that's totally fine. Hey, from your mouth to God's ears, right? Uh, right. We, we could, we will all be happy to celebrate Betty White's one hundredth birthday. But uh, she was turning ninety at the time. And I got a call from the chief speechwriter, um, who uh, John Favreau, the, the former chief speechwriter of the White House, and he said, NBC is doing this comedy special, and there are these 30-second skits, and different famous people are wishing Betty White a happy birthday, and you're pretty funny. And what was also clearly implied was that no one else wanted to do it. So, you know, do I want to give it a shot? And I said, absolutely. And so I, uh, I basically treated this thing like my Gettysburg Address. I mean, as far as I was concerned, this was the most important speech anyone would ever write, ever. And so I spent a week coming up with a joke with John, and, and we got uh, the birthday cards, and, um, and then I made it into the Oval Office, and I did almost ruin that meeting, but I, I managed to get through it. It's, a, it's hysterical in every one of the anecdotes that you tell, but I have to get to the salmon in the toilet. By the way, I know... I know that bathroom. That that is one of the prized White House bathrooms right off the library on the ground floor. Correct? Uh, that's well. So the yeah, the library. I it's, what I say is that I never uh, meant to become a connoisseur of White House men's rooms. It just kind of happened. And yes, you're you're it's describing my one. favorite yeah. White House men's room right off the library. You know, they don't invite me back to the White House these days, but I can still imagine that bathroom. <laughs> Right. If if I I was I was there for a number of uh, uh, White House Christmas parties on several presidents' watch, but that's the bathroom of choice because very few people know that it exists. You go in there one day and you make a, an unbelievable discovery. What is it? Well, so I was in the the bathroom, and I, I just I don't want to discredit the the best bathroom in the White House. So this was this was in the uh, executive office building where I worked. I went down the stairs, and I opened the door. And uh, there was a Secret Service agent using the one urinal, so I stepped over and I opened the door to the stall. And then I saw in the toilet bowl a perfectly untouched fillet of grilled salmon. And there were no bite marks, no side dishes, no nothing. It was just sitting in the water of the toilet bowl. And what I talk about is how... In the, in the White House, when you find a salmon in the toilet, that is not just a salmon in the toilet. You're immediately wondering, was this someone on the National Security Council? Was it a member of the economic team? Has a Secret Service agent gone rogue? So it, it was, to me, an example of how even the smallest oddity, even the smallest absurdity gets magnified to this enormous scale. I, when I read that part of the book, I said to myself, did he report it? I mean, it's such an oddity. Did you feel some requirement to you know, see something, <laughs> say something? I mean, my God, David. That's true. I, you know, I, I don't know who you would call at that point, though. Do you, do you go to the, do you go to Secret Service and say, do you have a fish in the bathroom reporting division, <laughs> or do you just find the nearest agent? Um, I, I, the only thing I will say is that the cafeteria was serving salmon that day, so I knew it was an inside job. It, it was not. We didn't have an intruder who had who had broken in, you know, or no no Salahi type situation where someone had gotten in 
uh, and left a salmon in the toilet. It was definitely from the cafeteria. So and that made me breathe a little bit easier, but not much. David Litt's book is Thanks, Obama, My Hopey Changey White House Years. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off.
Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. David Litt's book is Thanks Obama, My Hopey Changey White House Years. I appreciated the tidbits about how you write for the president. For example, things needed to be laid out phonetically and you go through how you have to handle pronunciations to meet his tastes. Yeah, absolutely. And the the way, and I do this for any speaker I've written for, you always have to think about pronunciations. You don't think about it all the time when you're writing, but if you're ever speaking and you mispronounce someone's name, um, or you, or in the president's, in the case of the president, if he was in front of a foreign audience in another country and mispronounced, you know, how to say hello or whatever, that becomes the story. And it certainly is embarrassing. And so trying to help the speaker in, avoid that and sound be absolutely sure that they know, uh, you know, that they get every name right, that they get every word in a foreign language right, ends up being one of those parts of the jobs you spend a lot of time on, but you don't think about when you first get that White House speech writing job. You write the, the Hosni joke. You, uh, you then get the Thanksgiving address. Then it's Betty White turning 90. And as you're escalating up the White House ladder, it's funny because you see these sort of surveys and you never stop and think that there's a guy like David Litt filling them out. But Us Weekly wants to know, you know, 25 things about Obama. You're the guy who has to fill that out. That's right. So I, this was on the campaign. Uh, this was my, if we had not won in 2012, this would have been my farewell address. So I wrote, um, I'm trying to remember it now, I, you know, I wrote that the president was left-handed. Uh, I think that apples were his favorite healthy snack. So, you know, really profound farewell address stuff. But it's true. It's, there's all these little small moments. And I will say, some of them, for example, that, that Us Weekly Q&A, they're not going to go down in the history books, nor should they. But they're these little things that uh, White House staff can do to help a president just be a little more relatable, put a human face forward to the public. And so that takes a lot of work. By 2015, you have arrived. It's again time for the White House Correspondent Association dinner. This was my one of my favorite uh, lines and, uh, and follow-ups. Let's all listen. I am determined to make the most of every moment I have left. After the midterm elections, my advisors asked me, Mr. President, do you have a bucket list? And I said, well, I have something that rhymes with bucket list. <laughs> Take executive action on immigration? Bucket. <laughs> New climate regulations? It's the right thing to do. Hey, David, uh, how much reservation did he have about whether to do the bucket list routine? He had none whatsoever. None whatsoever. I love it. That that, that line um, was uh, written by a friend of mine, actually, uh, a comedy writer named Andrew Law. And he he was one of the the many 
people who pitch jokes every year for the Correspondence Center, and by this point, I was running the process, the joke writing process. The way I always put it is, I didn't write all of the jokes, but if the speech had gone badly, it would have been my fault. Of course. And uh, he sent in that line, and we thought, eh, we got to try it. we got to run it by the president, but probably he's going to object to, uh, even in pun form, swearing on stage. And you know what? He heard it and was like, that's funny. I mean, he was going to do it. And I think it was, that was what made that line so, so great to me, is that it captured the attitude that both the president and all of us had in that moment. It was like, all right, we're, we're, we're running out of time here. We're going to run through the tape. We're going to do everything that we can. And we're not going to worry so much about the conventions of D.C. And something else I thought was really neat about that joke was for uh, months later, you would still see it in straight news stories. So someone would reference it as a way of describing the president's mood, his bucket mood. And so it really captured something that stuck around. I promise I'm not giving everything in Thanks Obama away for free, but just one more part, if if I uh, might. I was there this year, it was 2015, and I will never forget Keegan-Michael Key coming out, and now, of course, I realize the role that you played. Let's just remind people of what transpired. Anyway, as always, I want to close on a more serious note. You know, I often joke about tensions between me and the press, but uh, honestly, what they say doesn't bother me. I understand we've got an adversarial system. I'm a mellow sort of guy. And that's why I invited Luther, my anger translator, to join me here tonight. In our fast-changing world, traditions like the White House Correspondents' Dinner are important. I mean, really? What is this dinner? And why am I required to come to it? Jeb Bush, do you really want to do this? Because despite our differences, we count on the press to shed light on the most important issues of the day. And we can count on Fox News to terrify old white people with some nonsense. I loved the discussion in the book of you smuggling Keegan into the West Wing, hiding him out, and then participating with the president uh, as they went over this. And the president, you say, had a really tough time. What did he say? I just can't break. I just can't break. Exactly. And, you know, break is kind of what you hear in the comedy world. It's when someone laughs in the middle of a scene. And I was surprised the president knew that term, actually. But, uh, yeah, we, we had brought Keegan in and we brought him to the map room of the White House. It's in the residence. And we only had 20 minutes to go through the whole thing. So we went through it twice, maybe three times. And each time, uh, every time, Keegan-Michael Key, as Luther, the anger translator, delivered one of these lines, President Obama just lost it. I mean, he could not keep it together. And then backstage, I remember he he came out, and I, I happened to be there, and he said, so, are we still funny? And I said, uh, well, uh, sorry, he said, uh, are we, you know, uh, excuse me, uh, <laughs> I really tell that story much better in the book, I should say. Um, <laughs> this is why I wrote something rather than just talked about it. So anyway, so are we, so are we funny? Yeah. So are says, we, so funny. are we funny? And, uh, and then he says, we're good. The only thing I have to do is I cannot break. And I was not sure he was going to be able to do it. Uh, but then 
amazingly, when he when he delivered the actual speech, and you can see this if you watch the clip on YouTube, which um, you know a, a lot of people have seen it, but probably not as obsessively as I have to to try to analyze it. And you see his head is always pointed toward Keegan, but he's got his eyes shifted just a little bit to the left or right to make sure that he's not making eye contact. Right. Because he, he knows that if he makes eye contact, it's all over. Um, and so it was, it was also one of those interesting moments to watch President Obama think through a decision. It was a small decision. How do I avoid laughing? But I felt like getting to see the joke writing process gave me these little insights into much bigger decisions that the president and other staff made. There's so much fodder here that I'm not going to get into, but that I just want you to know that I enjoyed. As one who speaks for a living and beyond the microphone of radio or television, I go out and I address private groups. And I just have to tell you that the interplay between you and the AV guy, I forget his name, but he's, Uh, (laughs) he's at the Washington Hilton. Uh, where the correspondent associate, like I could so relate to that because my world is in his hands, whoever he may be, in those kind of moments, and it's funny. It's just really a great exchange. So, David, it's a hell of a book. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. Thanks, Obama. My hopey, changey White House years. What's next for you? You know, I don't know. I'm going on book tour, so I'm going to be at uh, Politics and Prose in D.C. on Saturday. I'm doing a couple. It's a great bookstore. That's a great bookstore, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I love that. And and you know, um, one of the co-owners is a former speechwriter, so I feel like they they have some love for the former speechwriters who write books. Um, and then I, I work for Funny or Die in Washington, but I will say I put put all of my energy into uh, writing a book that I think people should read, and, and hopefully going out and um, making sure people know it exists so that people read it. And I decided, here at the White House, you're always kind of thinking about the next thing. I decided not to do that this time, and we'll see whether or not that was a good decision, but uh, I'll think about it later. I wish you all good things. Hey, when you leave politics and prose, you can go get a beer, a piece of pizza, and find that underground tunnel network next door where Hillary's been hiding all the kids. Yeah, we supposed, so we just did a, a book preview party at uh, Comet Pizza last night, and the um, the owner James Elefantis was a very good sport about something that you know obviously was oh my pretty God. pretty awful and traumatic. And I think it really it did. I said this last night. It really speaks to him that he was willing to sort of have you know in a way a sense of humor move past this awful incident. And so um, and also the pizza and beer was good. So I, I do recommend it. Best of luck and thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Obama. That's the book. David Litt is the author. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.